The young Handel's enthusiasm for composition was such that by the time he was nine years old, he was able to produce something new, either a sonata, a composition for the organ, or a cantata for voices and instruments, every week. Six excellent trios for two oboes and bass, which he wrote when eleven years old, are still extant. When he was shown them, years afterwards, he commented, I used to write like a devil in those days, and chiefly for the oboe, which was my favourite instrument. Realising, in time, that he could teach his pupil little more, Zakhar suggested that the twelve-year-old Handel be allowed to attend the court in Berlin. Inexplicably, the elder Handel agreed, and even financed his son's expedition. The youthful prodigy was welcomed into the court of the Elector Friedrich, afterwards King Friedrich I of Prussia. Both the Elector and his consort, Sophia Charlotte, daughter of the Elector of Hanover, were ready to encourage talent wherever they found it. Handel's father died in 1697, aged 75. Showing great filial piety, Handel finished his general education and entered the University of Halle in 1702. That same year, he had his first professional engagement as organist of the Cathedral Halle. Although the organ was a magnificent instrument, the pay for the post was meagre. At the end of his year's appointment at the Cathedral, he quitted the university also. Now ready to follow his life's work, he collected his small funds, packed up his manuscripts, and started for Hamburg. Opera was the central art form of the time, and in Germany its home was Hamburg. Here, the opera at the Goose Market attracted the most promising of German composers. It was not long before Handel was a member of the opera orchestra, and friendly with Johann Mattheson, a performer, writer and composer. In addition to playing, Handel was also composing, and on January the 8th, 1705, his first opera, Almira, was performed in Hamburg with great success. Shortly before Christmas 1706, Handel left Germany for Italy. He visited his mother en route, then travelled to Florence, where his fame had preceded him. His real apprenticeship was about to begin. Handel was to visit, in turn, the exciting and heady Italian cities of Florence, Naples and Venice. It was in Rome, however, that he was particularly at home. He was invited to join an exclusive circle of artists, musicians and dilettanti who gathered in an academy known as the Arcadia. Here he met many of the leading writers of the time. One immortal occasion was when Handel and Domenico Scarlatti fought a musical duel of improvisation and virtuosity on organ and harpsichord. On the latter instrument, the victory was doubtful. But when they came to the organ, there was no doubt to which of them it belonged. Scarlatti himself declared the superiority of his antagonist, and owned that, until he had heard Handel upon this instrument, he had no great conception of its powers. During the autumn of 1709, Handel paid a short return visit to Rome, 
a visit made memorable by hearing the shepherd pipers of Piferrari, whose simple melody was afterwards echoed and immortalized in the pastoral symphony of the Messiah. At Venice, he met the celebrated Abbe Stefani, Kapellmeister at Hanover, and Baron Kilmansek, an accomplished amateur musician and an intimate friend of the elector, George of Brunswick. Handel journeyed with them to Hanover. At Hanover, he remained for some months. Stefani, although a Roman Catholic priest, was not, it seems, disqualified by a German president from holding office under a Protestant prince and became his warm friend and admirer. A most distinguished and refined musician, he was also a statesman, and having been entrusted with diplomatic missions of the greatest delicacy and importance, had so acquitted himself as to be made a bishop, and loaded with honors of all kinds. The duties and responsibilities of an ambassador and a Kapellmeister were practically incompatible and he now retired from his musical post, recommending Handel to the elector as his successor. Handel seems to have hesitated a good deal before accepting the honour. Great pressure was being put upon him to come to England by the Duke of Manchester and other influential noblemen, many of whom he had met in Italy or at Hanover. But the elector offered him a pension of 1,500 crowns to stay. Handel finally accepted this and the Kapellmeistership on the condition of a year's leave of absence. This was granted. Late in the autumn of 1710, he stepped onto the soil of England. He did not know it then, but this was the country he was to make his own, the country which, by his music, he was destined to conquer. Handel arrived in England, dramatic music was at a low ebb. There was a taste for opera, but its development was extremely slow. The first English dramatic work entirely in music was Purcell's Dido and Aeneas. This had been composed by England's master musician in 1680, as Purcell himself was to state. Music was yet but in its knowledge. A forward child, which gives hope of what it may be hereafter in England, when the masters of it shall find more encouragement. His own death in 1695 marred the brightening prospects, and as the new century began, it seemed that there was no one to take his place. Meanwhile, wonderful accounts of the opera in Italy were being brought into England by those who travelled abroad. Also attracted by the rich, little cultivated field which London offered them, foreign singers began to arrive. Prominent amongst them were the castrati, with their wonderful vocal skill. But they could only sing their own pieces, and in their own language. Of these pieces, operas, so-called, were strung together to allow them to show off their virtuosity. As Collie Sibber, the English actor, manager and playwright, was to state. 
The Italian opera had been long stealing into England, but in as rude a disguise and unlike itself as possible, in a lame, hobbling translation into our own language with false qualities, or meter out of measure to its original notes, sung by our own unskillful voices with graces misapplied to almost every sentiment, and with action lifeless and unmeaning through every character. It was not long before Handel was being urged to write an opera. The result, a work for the Queen's Theatre, was Rinaldo. To the consternation of the librettist, he wrote this within two weeks, and it had its premiere on February the 24th, 1711. Indeed, the poor librettist was compelled to include a somewhat apologetic account of his own shortcomings in the preface. Indulgent reader, Herr Handel, the Orpheus of our time, hardly gave me time to write whilst composing the music, and I saw with stupor an entire opera set to harmony with the highest degree of perfection in one fortnight. Let this hurried work, therefore, satisfy you, and if not deserving of your praise, do not withhold at least your compassion, which indeed will only be justice to the limited time in which it was accomplished. Rinaldo was a great success, and established the lead singer, Nicolini, as the greatest castrato singer in England. His singing of the aria, Caro Sposa, was particularly moving. It made a great impression on London, and the public flocked to see it. Walsh, the publisher, is said to have cleared £1,500 by the sale of a volume of songs from the opera. This drew from the composer the suggestion that, in future, their respective roles should be reversed. You shall compose the opera, and I will sell it. There would appear to be more profit in your occupation than in mine. Rinaldo quickly established Handel's reputation, and he rapidly became a...